Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We've been in Psalm 133 this entire month, but God led me to this psalm right here, Psalm 124. I do hope and pray that this word blesses your life. As uh, Janelle shared with us earlier, we want lots and lots of pictures. Take lots of pictures. Use hashtag one, Harmony133, and uh, that'll help us find... Uh, a lot of the pictures from this from this whole month uh, under that one hashtag Psalm 124 Psalm 124 going to read it in its entirety um, even now if you're able to stand if you would stand if you're not able to stand don't worry about it I'm going to read this entire psalm if it had not been the Lord who was on our side now may Israel say if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. I want to talk today. I want to talk briefly from, from the thought. I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I have lived in various states in my adult life. I grew up in Michigan. I've lived in California twice. I lived in South Carolina twice. Attended various military schools in North Carolina and Colorado. And I've lived in Georgia twice. I have lived in some states with breathtaking views, the Sierra Nevada mountains of Northern California, Yosemite National Park was right around the corner, Lake Tahoe was right up, uh, not too far from, to our north, the Sierra Nevada mountains of all of Northern California, just a beautiful display of God's power, His majesty, and His dominion. I've seen dolphins play in the oceanside views of South Carolina. We've been able to visit the Blue Ridge Mountains here in Georgia. God has blessed me and my family to enjoy some beautiful scenery in the states in which we resided. Many of you have military backgrounds. You've traveled. You've lived around the world. You too may have beautiful memories of the scenes from the states in which you lived at one time or another. I wonder though how many of you ever lived in a state of overwhelm. I'm not talking about quick whistle stops. I'm not talking about brief visits. I'm talking about living in a state of constant overwhelm. I'm talking about the non-stop stress, feeling like you can't take it anymore, wishing the world could just pause for a minute so you can catch your breath. I'm talking about living in a constant state of overwhelm where your, your blood pressure is up, your hair is falling out, migraines are uh, like you never had before, you can hardly sleep. I wonder how many of you have ever lived in a state of overwhelm. Our youth can certainly live in a state of overwhelm. Virtual learning, homies being quarantined due to exposure to someone with the Rona, 
wearing masks to school all day, social distancing, racism, bullying, can't get a ticket to the game, eating lunch in your classroom. Did I mention racism? Being treated as if your life doesn't matter. Even our young folk know what it's like to live in a constant state of overwhelm. Adults know about being, an overwhel being overwhelmed too. Politics in your face everywhere you go, threats of unemployment, working from home with your kids at home with you, wearing masks everywhere you go, financial hardship, keeping to yourself so no one brings the Rona to your crib, grieving over loved ones who die alone, racism, being treated as if your life doesn't matter, tending to your kids and your parents, pulled over for driving while black, wrote up for working while black, passed over for promotion because you're black. I believe it's some adults out here who know what it's like to live in a constant state of overwhelm. I have a, conf I have a confession to make y'all. I know what it's like to live in the state of overwhelm. I know I'm not the only one. Holler if you hear me. In fact, overwhelm, overwhelm is everywhere and impacting everyone. And it is nothing new. Overwhelm is not new due to the pandemic. It is not new due to racial unrest. It is not new due to rampant injustice. It is not new due to Jones of New York going out of business. David, the author of our text, knew what it was like to be overwhelmed too. Look at verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, the waters would have engulfed us a torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. David was overwhelmed. Turn it down one notch. Turn it up. Thank you very much. Turn it. David was overwhelmed. That word overwhelmed that he used is a Hebrew word, shataf. Shataf means to be washed away. It, it could be translated to drown. It could, it could be translated to engulf. It, 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 it gives the picture of a movement of water with considerable force uh, as in a flooding river with the, with the potential to sweep away anything in its path. I saw a news clip a, a day or two ago of this huge water spout. Uh, I think it popped up a couple of days ago. Huge water spout and, and it, it was off the coast and, and it, just a huge tornado of water that just destroyed uh, uh, beach umbrellas and, and beach seats and all anything in his path it just tore it apart I think that's what David is talking about he's talking about oppression or control of another uh, that's exercising force on another object David and the nation of Israel have dealt with a potentially destructive force of overwhelm but the Lord was on their side and they overcame what had them overwhelmed you too can overcome what has you overwhelmed. You may ask how. How can I overcome what has me overwhelmed? I want to encourage you to make some confessions. I want to encourage you to make confessions because they empower you to overcome what has you overwhelmed. I'm sure you and your neighbor know that death and life are in the power of your tongue. What you say has tremendous power. What you believe about your God your past, your present, and your potential can impact the state in which you live. Listen, this psalm is a song of ascent. It is a song the nation of Israel will sing on their way up to Jerusalem to worship. The psalm is a song for worshipers on their way to worship who need to get their minds right so they can indeed worship. It is a perfect song for your playlist if you're dealing with too much in your life. 
In this song, David encourages other worshipers to make some confessions that will put them in a state of worship. And that's not a bad state to live in, is it? A state of worship. Isn't that where all of us ought reside? In a state of worship? A state where you wake up with your mind stayed on Jesus? A state where you're, where you're anxious for nothing. You're praying, making supplications known with thanksgiving and chilling with peace that passes all understanding. A state of worship is a great place to live. Let's check out what David says in this 124th Psalm. First of all, there's three confessions I want you to make. As we celebrate this 133rd church anniversary, three confessions I want you to make. The first confession, I want you to confess, I am significant. I am significant. I need somebody to confess. I am significant. Look at verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. It's not obvious. It doesn't jump right at you. But there's significance in verses 1 and 2. David says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say. That's the significance right there. I know you may have missed it. But when David refers to Israel, David is referring to a specific chosen significant people. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, David is called on, call, calling on Israel to confess and confess emphatically. And watch this. David does not say, uh, let all mankind say. David does not say, let everybody in House and County Board of Education say. David does not say everybody who's, who's retired uh, from the military or, or working on base say. David is very specific. He's not referring to the whole human race. He says, let Israel say. And when he says that, what he's saying, y'all, is let Israel repeat it. Let Israel keep saying it. That, that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, we would have been destroyed. David is saying to significant people that we are significant in the eyes of the Lord. Israel is significant to the Lord because he simply chose them to be his very own possession. Israel is significant to the Lord. If you don't believe me, uh, back a shuffle on, you, on the way to Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 and 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 8 tells us how significant Israel is to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, Moses says to the people of Israel, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Peter wants to remind New Testament believers of our significance unto God as, re, as, re, as a result of our relationship with Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Union Grove, you are an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, you are significant. Someone who's feeling, who's feeling down on themselves need to declare that and confess that I am significant somebody who's feeling sorry for yourself needs to confess i am significant let israel say if it had not been for the lord on our side 
is, uh, 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 David is trying to get Israel to understand that they are God's chosen people and they are significant. But I hear the question your neighbor is asking. Your neighbor is asking, if I am so significant, why am I catching so much hell? If I'm significant, why am I struggling? And it may be because significant people who belong to God still struggle. Your significance unto the Lord does not exempt you from adversity. You're chosen, but you still have challenges. As a matter of fact, your significance is one of the reasons behind your struggle. You are significant because your life is to deliberately bring God glory. Now don't get it twisted, y'all. God can get glory from whatever he wants, whatever he sets up, whatever he allows. And God will get glory, believe it or not, even through the works of the wicked. He will take their evil works and still show himself to be God in the earth. But with significant folk, but with born again folk, with people who are born again like you and like me, God has at his disposal a people who are significant because we purpose in our hearts for God to get glory no matter what we go through. We are significant in how God gets glory through our struggles. I'm saying he gets glory when he delivers us from slavery. He gets glory when he parts red seas in our lives. God gets glory when he knocks down our Jericho walls. God gets glory from significant folks' struggles when he provides air conditioning in a fiery furnace. God gives glory when significant folks are resurrected from borrowed graves. Your struggles are a sign of your significance in the eyes of God. You are not just another human being on the face of the earth. Your life matters to God. You mean something to God. Your struggles have God's attention and he causes all things to work together. For good for those who love him, not just any old body, but for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I have a confession to make. I am significant. It is not due to my intellect. Praise God. It ain't due to your good looks. It is not due to any powerful connections with people in influential places. While all people are worthy of dignity, anyone chosen by God is significant. Anyone born again is significant. Anyone who is a child of the king is significant. I need you to confess it. I am significant in the eyes of God. You don't need a title to make you significant. You don't need wealth or social media fame to make you significant. Your J's, your red bottoms, your designer gear does not make you significant. You are significant because you are chosen by God. Listen, you have fellowship with God. You belong to God. God knows you by your name. God knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. God knows your secrets. He loves you anyway. God knows about the things that have traumatized you and make you act out and he loves you anyway. I need somebody to confess I am significant in the eyes of God. And your significance your significance that's part of the reason you're still here because God kept you I'm saying God kept you little old you the one who feels sorry for yourself 
The one who feels as if you're being unnoticed. The one who feels as if you're being left out of the plan of God. The reason why you're still here is because you are significant. He's kept little old you. You, when you were trapped, like David talks about in verses 6 and 7. When in verse 6, David says, Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. You may be wondering how you got out of that trap that the enemy put you in. It's because the Lord was on your side to prove to you that you are significant. You may have felt trapped in that situation and could not pay your way out. Could not bribe your way out. Could not pray your way out. But God in His grace, God because of His love for you, God because you're significant to Him, got you out of that trap. I need some former trap saints to say amen. That's part of the reason why you're still here. I'm talking to you who used to be in the trap. You who used to get down in the trap. Those of you who never saw your way out of the trap. You are the one. You, the one who's overwhelmed. The one who's overlooked. Part of the reason you're still here is because God has kept you alive. I'm talking about you. You, the one who should have lost your mind. You, the one who should have died from cancer. You, the one who nobody expected to survive. You, the one the devil tried to kill. I'm talking about you. The one the devil attacked with sickness. I'm talking about you. The one the devil tried to destroy. You, the one the Lord spared. You, the one the Lord healed. You, the one the Lord preserved. You, the one the Lord saved. You, the one the Lord turned around. You, the one the Lord blessed to overcome. The reason why you made it, the reason why you're still here, despite the overwhelm, is because when God looks at you, he sees someone significant. So I just want to ask you one question real quick as I move forward in my little Easter speech. With all that God has done to show you that you're significant, my question simply, y'all, is are you going to trust him? Are you going to be the one to praise him? Are you going to be the one to agree with God and confess, I am significant? David said, let Israel say, not let everybody say, not let all mankind say, let Israel say. The ones he chose, the one he called unto himself, let Israel say, in other words, repeat it. You got to say it again and again and again. When the devil is trying to get you to feel sorry for yourself, let him hear you say it. I am significant. When you wonder why everybody else is being blessed and it looks as if, it looks as if, it seems as if they're being more blessed than you, just remind the enemy, I am significant. You may be saying that you don't see it. You may say, I don't see how I'm significant to God. And so you won't confess it. If you don't confess it, you won't see it. If you confess it, you're going to see it. God is going to show you and your enemies that you are significant unto him. Confession simply means, y'all, to agree with God. God called you because you're significant. God saved you because you're significant. So when you say, I am significant, you are simply agreeing with God. Again, death and life are in the power of your tongue. My significance is part of the reason God helps me overcome my overwhelm. So I just want to know, do you want to live in a state of worship? If so, confess you are significant. Here's the second confession. Confess God shall be celebrated. Make up in your mind, no matter what you go through, God shall be celebrated. Listen to what David says in verse number six. Blessed be the Lord 
who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. David declared, blessed be the Lord. That word blessed is a Hebrew word, barak. Barak means to praise. It, it, it can mean to kneel in expectation of a blessing. It is a praise. It is a praise that you give unto God because you're looking for God to do something in return. It's a praise that you sow into the atmosphere. You sow toward the glory of God in expectation of reaping a blessing in return. It's, it's a praise as if to suggest that the one who does the Barak believes, if I praise him, I believe he'll bless me. It's, it's, a, it's a praise that speaks of invoking divine favor. David is overwhelmed, but he still praised God. Watch this. In expectation of a blessing. David says, despite the overwhelm, despite how I'm almost drowning, despite how I feel like I'm about to die, I'm still going to give God a praise. God shall be celebrated. And so I just want to challenge everybody. Praise him as if you expect him to do something for you. Celebrate him as if you expect him to open a door for you. Celebrate him as if you expect him to make a way for you. Celebrate the Lord as if you expect him to make a way out of no way. Holly, if you hear me. What are you expecting God to do for you? I really want to know. What are you expecting God to do for you? Confess it. Confess it because your expectations. Expectation is not a bad state in which to live. Celebrate the Lord by praising him in a place, in a state of expectation. Confess I'm going through, but I'm expecting God to move on my behalf. They tripping on my job, but I'm still expecting God to move on my behalf. They tripping in my family, but I'm still expecting God to move on my behalf. The doctor can't figure out what's wrong with me, but I'm still expecting God to move on my behalf. I already had the procedure. I've already taken the medication, and I'm still sick. I'm still in pain, but I'm still praising God, celebrating Him in expectation of God moving on my behalf. But wait a minute. Right there in verse number 6. David gives us one good reason to celebrate the Lord even when we feel as if we're overwhelmed. Even when we feel as if we're drowning. David says because, in verse number 6, celebrate him in expectation of a blessing from his hand because he has not given us as a prey to their teeth. David changed the metaphor a little bit from, from raging waters now to a ravaging enemy. A, a ravaging enemy that's hunting you down like you're a wild animal. Anybody here know what it's like to be hunted down like you're a wild animal? Right, Treated, gunned down, knee on your neck like you're a wild animal? Right. Harassing you, suffocating you while you're already handcuffed like you're some wild animal? David says, listen, he, he, he's gone from raging water metaphor to that of, of being hunted as prey. He's gone from overwhelmed to drowning, overwhelmed due to drowning, or being overcome with raging water, now hunted as prey. Listen, listen, has the pandemic devoured your peace? Has the pandemic devoured, put teeth on your joy, your will to live? Has grief put teeth and just devoured and annihilated your worship or your faith in God? David will say to all of us who know what it's like to be hunted as prey, give God a praise celebrate him in expectation of a blessing from his hand blessed be the lord because he has not given us as prey to their teeth here's something that i need everybody to really catch hold of 
He sounds like, David sounds like his mind is on the Lord more than it is on the teeth. He said Israel could have been prey to their enemies. He is part of a people who are hunted like wild animals to be devoured and destroyed. David isn't so traumatized though that he can't celebrate the Lord. After all they had gone through, there's still some praise in their tank and God is going to get it. David says, I may not have much left, but I still have this praise left. And the praise that I still got, God is going to get it. Listen, everybody, they can take the house. They can take the cars. They can take the, your good name, your good reputation. But if you still have that praise left, I need you to make sure God gets that. So let me ask you something. Let me get all up in your grill today. Let me ask you something. What is God getting from you in this season? What is God getting out your mouth in this season? Is God hearing more about their teeth than what he has done for you? Is God getting more complaints out of you than celebrations from you? Don't be guilty of only having a teeth testimony. Where all you do is complain about their teeth, their efforts to devour, their efforts to destroy you. With all God has done for you, there must be more that can come out of your mouth than how they try to devour you. Talk about how God stopped them. Talk about how God stepped in and fought for you. Celebrate the Lord's deliverance. Celebrate the Lord's goodness. Confess, declare, and decree. God shall be separate, celebrated. I can't control what my wife's going to do. You can't control what your husband's going to do. But you can control what comes out your mouth. God shall be celebrated. You can't control whether they keep you employed. You can't control whether you keep yourself in good health. You cannot control where systemic racism ever finally comes to an end. But you can control what comes out your mouth. So go ahead and celebrate him. Go ahead and celebrate him right now. Celebrate him as if worship is your state. Celebrate him as if joy is your state. Celebrate him as if peace is your state. Celebrate him as if prosperity is still your state. Celebrate him as if you're in the state of I'm still going to make it. I'm still going to be blessed. I'm still the head and not the tail. I'm still above and not beneath. Celebrate the Lord so you don't drown in what you're going through right now. Celebrate the Lord so you're not devoured by anxiety. Declare I have a confession to make. I am not going to be devoured by my drama. I am not going to live in this place of overwhelm. I shall not hold back my praise. I shall, listen y'all, I shall overcome not someday, but today. Because God has been too good to me. I just want to know. I just want to know in what state, in what state do you want to live? Do you want to live in a state of misery? Do you want to live in a state of depression? Do you want to live in a state of self-defeat? If that's where you want to live, you're going to stay right there. I made up in my mind. I made up in my mind to move a long time ago. Can I get a witness here? I made up in my mind to move to a whole new state. A state of praise. A state of celebration. A state of expectation. A state of I'm going to be all right. A state of everything going to work together for good. A state of he going to take care of me. A state of he going to open doors for me. A state of he going to fight my battles. A state of I'm going to lift my hands. A state that I'm going to clap my hands. A state that I'm going to praise him even 
if I got to praise him by myself. And I'm here to tell y'all that's not a state. That's not a bad state in which to live. Let me get on up out of here. I just want to know if you want to live in a state of worship. If you want to live in a state of worship, confess that you are significant. Secondly, confess that God shall be celebrated. And finally, finally in this pull-up church on the Field of Dreams tabernacle. Finally, y'all, confess God is sovereign. Confess the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. I'm in verse number 8. I'm in verse number 8. Huntington Village, holler if you hear me. Camp Campbell, holler if you hear me. God is sovereign. Our Listen, here's verse number 8. Here's the sovereignty in verse number 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Here it is. Who made heaven and earth. Yes, Let me hear it again in case y'all didn't hear me. Let me, let me catch my, my sisters walking on the sidewalk. Listen. Verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. That's a confession that God is sovereign. This means that God who made heaven and earth made it because could nobody stop him from making heaven and earth. God made heaven and earth because all he needed was a word. That's all he needed was to create heaven and earth was a word. This means that God is in charge. He can rule things with his word. He can turn things around with his word. He can create something out of nothing with his word because he is sovereign. God who made heaven and earth is in charge. God who stood out on nothing and spoke let there be light brought order out of chaos. With his word he spoke those things that were not and they had no choice but to appear. God is sovereign. That means that God is running things. He is in control. He got this. I need somebody to type that in the comments. If you're still on, if you're still on social media just type he got this. He got this. He's the boss. He's the king. He's the Lord. One of the, one of the most notorious kings throughout history was King Henry VIII, who lived from 1491 to 1547. 1547, he was very powerful. He was a notorious king. He was married six times, made himself head of the Church of England, dissolved convents and monasteries, and those who opposed him were executed without a trial. And he could get away with it. He was a bad man. He ran things. He was in control. He was sovereign with unchecked power. And David asserts that this sovereign God, listen y'all, that this sovereign God who made heaven and earth takes sides. He was on Israel's side. When their enemies, hear me now, when their enemies came to attack them, God was on Israel's side. When other nations tried to go to war with Israel, God was on Israel's side. David confessed God is sovereign, in charge, in control, running things, involved, please hear me, involved in the affairs of his chosen people. He didn't make heaven and earth and put it in motion and back off as an unmoved, unmo unmoved and unmovable mover. There is a philosophy that suggests that God created the heavens and the earth spun it, got it into motion, and backed off and left everything to fate and chance. That's a lie. God is involved in human affairs. God is sovereign, and when his, and when his chosen significant people are attacked, God takes sides, and he is on the side of his chosen significant people. In other words, God helps them win. But, Whose side does God take when his chosen significant people attack one another? 
Is God so involved in the affairs of mankind that he is taking sides in the upcoming election? His people are on both sides of that coin. Some of his people shout four more years, while some of his people are on the other side shouting, lock him up. Whose side does God take? Whose side does our sovereign God take when his people attack one another? Whose side does God take when a Christian husband and wife are going at it? Whose side does God take when a Christian parent and their Christian child are beefing? Whose side does God take when a Christian supervisor and a Christian subordinate don't see eye to eye? Whose side does God take when a black and when black and white Christians disagree on racial issues? Right. Is God on Karen's side or Kanisha's side? Kanisha. Was God not on Breonna Taylor's side, George Floyd's side, right. Trayvon Martin's side? Right, was God not on Martin's side when he was gunned down on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel right, in April of 1968? And if David declared God was on Israel's side? Are there descendants among the six million Jews who were killed during the Holocaust? If God takes sides and is on their side, how could he allow such things to happen to his own chosen significant people? Finally, if God is involved in the affairs of mankind, so involved he takes sides with some and opposes others, whose side was he on when they put nails in the hands of his only begotten son? Whose side was God on when they put nails in Jesus' feet? Whose side was God on when Jesus died and didn't he die? Here's the kicker. Whose side was God on when he raised Jesus from the dead? Whose side will God be on when Jesus comes back? Whose side will our sovereign God be on when the last enemy to be destroyed is death? Whose side will God take when his kingdom comes and his will is done on the earth as it is in heaven? All I'm trying to insinuate is this. We will not be able to rationalize why God in his sovereignty allows what he allows. But one thing for sure is this. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is running things. And it may not look like it now. Situations may not work out the way you prefer. But God's word assures us that he is up to something good and just and righteous. I cannot draw a logical conclusion as to all the details of human history or your own story or my own, my very own story. But I believe by faith that God is in control, causing all things to work together toward good and righteousness and justice. This may be why many of us testify that we don't know why God helped us, but we know he did. We don't know why he healed us, but we know he did. We don't know how we escaped the traps set by our enemies, but God made a way out of no way. Can you look back over your life and see how God took your side? Can you look back over some doors that opened, ways that were made, miracles that dropped your way, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you would have been destroyed. But God made a way for you to overcome. God made a way for you to prevail. You can't explain it. You cannot rationalize it. 
you cannot put a logical explanation behind it all you know is God brought you out all you know is God showed up all you know is God made a way for you to survive and can I be real nosy this morning did you see God moving on your behalf back when you were caught up in that trap back when you were knee deep in that foolishness back when you were in that stuff and you couldn't get out back when you were wondering how you were going to make it back when you felt like you weren't going to get out of what the devil had you in did you see God's hand moving in your situation back then because most of the time it takes for us to come out of our troubles for us to see that God was right there the whole time most of the time it takes for us to come out of the storm before we can look back and see that God was right there all the time but I need somebody to look around in your life right now and I just need somebody who can not only look back and see the hand of God involved in your life I need you to look around in your present situation and declare by faith that God is at work in my situation that God is sovereign God is in control God is at work on my behalf not because of my intellect not because of my money but in fact in spite of my intellect in spite of my money in spite of what i can't get right god is at work on my behalf you know what your neighbor might need you to help them to see by faith that god is at work on their behalf right now with what they're going through right now with their current struggles god is at work on your behalf maybe you can't see it because you're too busy looking at what the enemy is doing maybe you can't see it because your whole sense of normal has been disrupted but i need somebody who still who has a little bit of faith the size of a seed of a grain of mustard seed to believe by faith that god has not forgotten about you god has not abstained from you god has not absolved from you god has not abandoned you that god is still at work on your behalf i need somebody to declare it today i need somebody to confess it today that god is sovereign causing all things to work together for good for me i said god is sovereign god is in control he is in control one thing this pandemic is teaching is that we are not in control our country is out of control rona is out of control our criminal justice system is out of control news media is out of control social media is out of control we are not in control and as bad as you want to control everything one thing that can overwhelm you is when things are out of control and there's nothing you can do about it but trust god that's what i want to tell you today trust god trust the one who saw him trust the one who made heaven trust the one who made the earth trust the one who still has a word trust the one who can speak a word into your situation trust the one who's kept you trust the one who's fought for you trust the one who provided for you trust the one who's making ways trust the one who woke you up this morning started you on your way can i get a witness here trust the one who put clothes on your back trust the one who put a little gas in your tank trust the one who opens eyes to see opens ears to hear trust the one who brought you from a mighty long way 
Is there anybody in here who can testify? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? If it had not been, if it had not been, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would have died from cancer. I would have died from the stroke. I would have died from the heart attack. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would have killed myself. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, they would have killed me. I would have shown the died. But God has been good to me. I said, God has been good to me. Can I make a confession? I got a confession to make. I got a confession to make. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I'd be. But one thing I can testify, He's made a way out of nowhere. He's opened doors no man can shut. He fought my battle. He fought my battle. Made my enemies. My footstools. Won't he do it for you? 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 Won't he open doors? Won't he make ways? Won't he give you victory? Won't he keep you? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Ain't he always? Make it! 
Hallelujah. You're going to make it. The Lord is on your side. You're going to make it. That's why you're still here. You're going to make it. God is on your side. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We give you glory. We acknowledge that God, it was you. It was you even when we messed up. Even when we sinned. Even when we disobeyed you yet and still. You showed us that we belong to you. We're chosen. We're significant. You kept us. You blessed us. You preserved us. God, it was you. It was not luck. It was not fate. It was not coincidence. It was you. The reason why we're here today is because of you. The reason why we have a reasonable, reasonable portion of our health and strength is because of you. The reason why we're saved, the reason why we're changed, the reason why we can expect you to move on our behalf is because of you. The reason why we believe we're going to make it is because of you. Is because of you. I pray that our life, that our life declares you're on our side. You're on our side. And so now forgive us for any and all unconfessed sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Purge us. Fill us again with the Holy Ghost and power. That even with all of these challenges, even when in a, in a place of overwhelm, our lights still shine before men. That our good works are seen and your name is glorified. In the name of Jesus. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.